The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. In Chronicles chapter 16, we have the story of Asa, the king of Judah, who is a good man. He's a godly man. He's done well, but he made a mistake. There was a city named Ramah that uh, is on the border between Israel in the north and Judah in the south, and the king of Israel uh, fortified Ramah to keep folks from traveling down into Judah. And so rather than trust the Lord, which he had done before, Asa bribes the king of Syria to come and fight his battles for him. It was successful, but the end doesn't always justify the means. Look at verse number seven, because the man of God comes to scold Asa. The Bible says at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubans a huge host and very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Very simply, this passage teaches us that God can use anybody and God wants to use each of us. Situation. Asa joins forces with an ungodly man, uh, forgets the blessings of God in the past, and consequently loses his blessings. And so the prophet comes and he tells him, he said, you should have known better. The eyes of the Lord are uh, running to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to find that person whose heart is perfect toward God, so that God might show himself strong through that person. You know, God wants everybody to know that he's God, and he wants to show them through you and through me. Now, the the catch on this whole thing is God is searching for those whose heart is perfect toward him. Obviously, none of us are completely perfect, although my wife thinks I am. But, but none of us are absolutely perfect. Not talking about sinless perfection. It's talking about those who not only are saved, but they're surrendered, that their desire is to put God first in their life and to serve him. You know, God isn't so interested in talent I wish I was talented. I hear the music and I just, I, I, I'm jealous because, uh, well, first of all, I'm lazy. I'm not going to take the lessons, but I'm also jealous at the abilities that they have. Uh, I'm, I'm not able to sing. When uh, our son was young and we'd go on trips, we'd sing in the car and he'd say, dad, dad, stop, you're messing me up. 
I am pretty good in the shower when it comes to singing. Something about the reverberation off of the tiles. It's pretty amazing, but it's hard to get a microphone in there. But anyway, I, I, I digress. The, the point is, God's not interested in how talented you are. God's not interested in, in your athletic prowess. God is concerned, how's your heart? And the scriptures tell us that God is searching to find someone whose heart is perfect toward him so that he might demonstrate that, in fact, he is God. We see that uh, illustrated throughout the Bible. In Genesis, the early chapters, it tells us that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And so God determines, I'm going to destroy the earth, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God used him for 120 years as he built that ark to be a testimony to a lost uh, world that, that God is righteous and God is holy. And with each swing of the hammer, uh, Noah's sermon sounded out that God hates sin. God blessed Noah. His family was allowed to board the ark. And when all the world perished, Noah was spared. We see it in the ministry of Elijah. I think sometimes we think of these Christians, we think of these uh, heroes, we think of these warriors as super Christian. That's not the case. James tells us Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. He's a preacher. He's the prophet. Because of his wickedness, uh, God says to Ahab through Elijah that for three and a half years it's not going to rain. As over three and a half years, the crops dried up. For three and a half years, the uh, livestock uh, perished. For three and a half years, life is miserable. And then God says to Elijah, go tell Ahab it's going to rain. He meets uh, Ahab and Ahab says, this is your fault. Elijah says, it's not my fault. It's your fault. It's you and your wife because you forgot about God and brought in worship of Baal. In fact, he said, we ought to just have a contest. Let's, let's, let's go up on Mount Carmel and you get your prophets. We'll have an offering for them and uh, I'll, I'll get an altar and I'll have an offering and we'll just pray and see whose God is really God. So you know the story. 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, Elijah on Mount Carmel, and all the people have gathered. They want to see what's going on. And the prophets of Baal, they have their altar, they have their sacrifice, they have their wood, but they don't have any fire. Elijah says, pray. And they prayed, and they prayed and danced and did whatever it is prophets of Baal do all day. Nothing happened. Elijah said, it's my turn. He asked for 12 barrels of water to be poured on the sacrifice. Uh, he, he wanted the water so that when the fire came, nobody would say, it, it was a trick. I saw I had a match. It, it was a trick. No, he saturated the offering, saturated the sacrifice, water ran down in the ditch. And then Elijah prayed and he said, Lord... Let these people know that I'm your prophet and that you're God. 
and the fire fell and all the crowd fell on their face and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And because one man was faithful, the entire nation recognized they had forsaken the Lord, but now they've come back to him. Look, God is looking for somebody to bless. God is looking for somebody to use. God is searching, the Bible says, throughout the whole earth that he might find that one or more than one whose heart is perfect toward him so that everybody might know that he's God. Listen, those lost folks that we talked about last night, God wants them to know that he's God. Those people for whom you're burdened, God wants them to know that he's God. Those folks that you're going to be interacting with in the future, God wants them to know that he's God, and God wants to show them through you. Moses delivers the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. The Passover has caused Pharaoh's child to die. His heart is broken. And he says to Moses, just get out of here. And so Moses leads the children of Israel, but they come to the banks of the Red Sea. It's too too wide to swim, too deep to wade. Look behind them, there's a cloud. Here comes Pharaoh uh, with his army, not to bring them back, but to destroy them. His heart so filled with bitterness and seeking revenge. And Moses said, Lord, what should we do? And God said, just put out your rod. And he held out his rod. And the, and the waters of the Red Sea parted. You know, we're used to that story. We're familiar with that story. But I want to remind you, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, the waters of the Red Sea parted. There's a wall of water here and a wall of water here. And about two million people walked through on dry land. I hope when we get to heaven, there's instant replay. I want to see those little boys walking along going, playing in the water. Mama says, stop that. We got to go. We'll play later. And, and Pharaoh comes riding up on his chariot. And, Whoa. And all of his leaders, all of his counselors, all of his advisors said this, their God is greater than us. God wanted everybody to know that he's God. You say, well, yeah, but you're talking about those people in the Bible. You're talking about those heroes that we read about and have learned about since we were children. Can I remind you that even today God is searching for those who want to be used, who are willing to do what's necessary to be used so that he might show himself strong, so that everybody might know that he's God. God wants to use you. I didn't have the privilege to grow up in a Christian home. I lived in a little gambling town on the Idaho-Nevada border called Jackpot, Nevada. Can you imagine living in Jackpot, Nevada? Three gambling casinos and an elementary school. But there was a Baptist preacher who would come 60-some miles to our town every Saturday and have like vacation Bible school, uh, Bible clubs. I don't know what they called it, but they had refreshments, so I would go. I probably heard the gospel. I'm not sure. If I did, it didn't click. But when I was 13, he said, our church is going to camp. We'd like for you to come. And I said, well, what's going on at camp? He said, oh, it's going to be great. He, he tricked me. 
He told me all the fun stuff. He said, we're going we're gonna to ride inner tubes down the river. Uh, we're going to go on hikes. He said, in fact, one day we're going up to a bear cave and the bear might still be there. Well, yeah, I'd never been bear hunting before. So I said, I'm going. So I went to camp. Well, it, it was, we set up the tents. It was great. Uh, it wasn't a, a, a Christian camp. They just rented a campground. And so they, they, they put the girls' tents here and the guys in, or the workers in the middle and then the guys way over here, which makes sense to me now. And, and while they're setting up the tents, the ladies cooked the meal. It was great. But as soon as we finished and they cleaned up, they're putting all the picnic tables in a long straight row. And I said, hey, what's going on with the tables? They said, well, we're, we're getting ready for our service. What service? He said, we're going to have a preaching service. I thought, oh, no. I'd read about these cults that take teenagers up into the woods and pretty soon they're in the airport dressed in robes, passing out carnations. And so I said, no, I, I I just came for the bear hunt. Uh, it's okay if I just wait in the tent. He goes, no, you have to come. Great, great. So he says, all the girls on this side of the tables and all the guys on this side of the tables. And so I got an idea. I started looking at all the girls at camp and I found who I thought was the prettiest one. And so I just kind of walked parallel. And as soon as she sat down, I sat right across from her. If I'm going to be bored, it's going to be worth my while. I never heard preaching before, never, never heard a sermon before. And they sang a few songs. He read some verses, and then he began to preach. Oh, man, I'm telling you what. This guy, he tore it up. He's, he's wandering around, waving his arms. His, his face is red. He'd come. He'd pound. He'd point. His eyes are bulging, veins on his neck. Spit flying everywhere. And I, I, I lean over to my friend. I said, man, this is better than TV. He said, everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. I said, no way, buddy. I'm, I'm taking in the whole show. And so I was peeking, and they gave the invitation. I'd never seen the invitation before, but a couple of kids came forward, and, and, and the counselors took them into the woods. And I asked somebody in the tent later, I said, hey, what happened to those kids? He said, they went to get saved. He said, you ever been saved? I, I didn't know what that meant, but I already figured out with this Baptist crowd, saved is good. So I said, what, me? Yes, lots of times. <laughs> well, I had a better attitude uh, about the service the next night. Came, sat across from that girl. There were Bibles on the table, and he said, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. And that girl picked up one of those Bibles, turned it to the page, and she handed it to me. Thank you. I thought, what a great camp, man. The prettiest girl in camp gives me a Bible. Well, when that happens, you're going to read it, right? So I followed along, and he read the story that Jesus told about the rich man that died and went to hell. I didn't know there was such a place. I had no idea there was such a place. I knew it was a bad word, but it was right there in the Bible, and he began to preach. He told us how wonderful heaven is, and if you get saved, you can go to heaven. He told us how horrible hell is, and if you don't get saved, you'll suffer in torments forever and ever and ever. And that night, I got under conviction. That night, I knew I was lost. That night, I knew I needed to get saved, but I was afraid. I didn't want that girl to know I wasn't already saved. I didn't want all, all the other kids at camp to think I was a wimp. So even though I should have got saved, I didn't get saved. I went to my tent that night, and I was under such conviction. I thought, man, 
Why didn't I get saved? I should have got saved. What if I die tonight? In fact, I, I, I thought I was going to die. So I, I prayed, God, keep me alive till tomorrow and I promise I'll get saved. Well, I made it through the night. So next night, didn't listen to the preaching at all. Didn't look at that girl much. I just kept thinking, hurry up. I got to get saved. Invitation came. I went right to, he said, if you need to get saved, come talk to me or one of the counselors. I went right to the preacher. I'm not taking a chance with the counselor. He said, what are you coming for? I said, I need to get saved. He opened the Bible and they explained to me that I was a sinner and I deserved to go to hell, but that because God loved me, he sent his son to die on the cross to forgive me of my sins. And he was buried and he rose again the third day. And if I just accept him as my savior, I could know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. And that night I got saved. Evidently, I'm more excited about it than the rest of y'all. Let me try that again. That night I got saved. Yeah, wow. He was very thorough in the uh, explanation, so I never doubted my salvation, but I went back home. I didn't have a church. I didn't have a Bible. I didn't know anything about anything. I don't know if there was another Christian in my high school. I, I, I do not know. That was when I was 13. When I was 17, I was at the University of Utah. I was still in high school, but I was at some science thing where I represented our school. And there were a bunch of teenagers from all over the Intermountain West. And they kept us in a real fancy hotel. And we had free time at night. And so a lot of, a lot of us got together and it got on the subject of religion. There were two main groups. There were Catholics and there were Mormons. And they're arguing back and forth. The Catholics are saying, you have to be in our church to get to heaven. The Mormons are going, no, you have to be in our church to get to heaven. And I thought, this isn't right. This, you don't get to church by, or you don't get to heaven by going to church. You get to heaven by accepting Jesus as your Savior. I knew that, but I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't know how to articulate it. If you'd have handed me a Bible, I, I couldn't have found John 3.16. I didn't know any of that, but I got to thinking everybody in this room is going to hell and somebody ought to tell them the truth. After everybody went back to their rooms and I'm lying in my bed, I got to thinking all these guys are going to hell and all my friends are going to hell and everybody in my family is going to hell and somebody ought to tell them I didn't know what this I, I had no idea what I was doing I didn't even know how to pray but I, I I can remember as if it was yesterday I said God I don't even know what this involves but if you'll let me I'll give you my life to keep people from going to hell as soon as I got home, I called the guy that led me to the Lord. I said, hey, what do you have to do to be a preacher? He said, why? I said, I want to be a preacher. He said, why? I said, because I don't want people to go to hell. He said, well, that's a good reason. He said, you need to get some training. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you need to go to Bible college. I, whoever heard us? Bible college? What are you talking about? I said, did you go to one? He said, I did. He said, I said, well, then get me a Give me an application. So he gave me the application. I filled it out. I mailed it off. They sent it back uh, with uh, a rule book about that thick. I thought, nobody reads those things. I just threw it away. I said, I'll just wait till I get there. If I ever do anything wrong, they'll let me know. <laughs> Listen to this. I, I, I went to, to college. I never 
even been to church. Never. And I tell you, you talk about culture shock. I didn't know any better. I had a suitcase full of rock music. I hadn't had a haircut. Hard to believe now. Hadn't had a haircut since I was in the eighth grade. It's down to about there. So I get to campus and the guy says, uh, you're going to need to get a haircut. Well, I figured that out. I mean, all the guys had short hair. All the girls looked like grandma. So, you know, I, I, I said, where's the barbershop? He goes over there. I went to the barbershop. It's my turn. The guy goes, uh, he says, uh, uh, what do you want? I said, you need to cut a whole bunch of this off. So he cut it about that much. I said, that's not enough. He cut about that much. I said, that's not enough. He goes, how short do you want it? I said, well, I'm going to college over there. I'm going to be a preacher. He goes, oh. <laughs> first month, first month, I felt so completely alone. I, I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anybody there. And, and, and I walked down the hall, and, and they didn't mean anything. I understand that now. But most of the guys, you know, some guy comes to college with a suitcase full of rock music and long hair, doesn't know anything about anything. Word spreads. Just, you know, just kind of a weird guy. So I'd walk down the hall, and people would be talking. They'd stop and whisper and snicker as I walked by. I, I felt like I had leprosy. And I called home. I said, Dad, I'm not going to make it here. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. Can I come home? My dad wasn't saved, and he certainly didn't want me going uh, into the ministry. And he was upset that I was there in the first place. But my dad said this, I thought you told me God wanted you there. Whew. Man, that broke my heart. I said, Dad, you're right, he does. I'm not leaving. If God wants me here, God will help me to make it. I went down to the end of the hallway and got in the stairwell. I learned how to pray a little bit. And I just, I just began to cry. And I said, God, I'm sorry. I told you that I would give you my life to p- keep people from going to hell. I've been here not even a month and I already want to quit. I said, God, I'm sorry. I said, I don't care if I don't have any friends. I don't care if I don't fit in. I don't care if people make fun of me. God, I don't want people to go to hell. Don't let me quit. Miraculously, only by the grace of God, I made it. I graduated, became a Christian school teacher, and then I became a youth director, and then God let me pastor a, a, a church. And then one day, Tabernacle Baptist Church in Lebanon, Missouri, needed a pastor. Tabernacle Baptist Church, about 40 miles from Fort Leonard Wood, and God knew the opportunity was going to explode at Fort Leonard Wood with being able to reach soldiers with the gospel. And so the Lord directed us to go to that church. I want to tell you this, there are thousands of guys who are better preachers than me, and certainly uh, thousands of guys who would be a better pastor than me, but God said, I'm going to let Hal pastor that church, because I know that he wants to see people get saved. And I say this not to boast at all, but all to the glory of God. I pastored that church for 15 years. We had the opportunity to bring more than 130,000 soldiers to our church. 
And we got to see more than 55,000 walk the aisle to trust Christ as Savior. I tell you that for one reason. If God can use me, what can he do with you? Some of you raised in a Christian home. Many of you got to go to a Christian school. Almost all of you have been in church for a long time. If God could use me, here's what the Bible says. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. I didn't know that God would let me pastor Rochester Hills Baptist Church. I didn't know that I'd stand on this platform. But I do know God wants to use you. And God can use any of you if you just make sure your heart is right. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.